Come on now. I, for me, every time I watch that video and I just think about what God has done over the past 75 years here at Bethany, what gets so excited inside of my heart is just that I know that God is not done that God still has great things and that we, the church, the people, not the building, but the people, when we actually follow into what God actually has laid out for us, man, we will see amazing, amazing things happen. And we're already seeing that. We're seeing God do just some incredible things in the lives of others. And, and I think of just so many of our stories and think about the story that you have. So many of our stories are filled with some really tough times. See, sometimes we always like to paint the story that this is us really looks like, it. man, everything's all put together, like everything all happens, but yet really what life is filled with is life is filled with many ups and many downs. And in the midst of the downs, the one thing that never changes in the midst of the ups or the downs is the fact that God is still in control, that God still has a plan, that God still has a purpose. And I'm telling you, you made a good choice to be at church this Sunday. Uh, and I know that many of you are watching online, and I know some of you couldn't make it because of the roads and all those different things, and I just want to say welcome, but can I just say, this is us. We the people, we are the church. You and me, each and every one of us, we're the church, we're the bride of Christ. We get to be a part of the royal family, and uh, what that means that comes with that is, is a, lot of, a lot of God's blessings but uh, not just blessings in the good times, but also blessings in the bad times. Because see, sometimes we're so focused on the bad that we miss the blessings that God is bestowing upon us. And, and yeah, there's snow on the ground. And yeah, there's frigid cold and, and there's wind that's whipping across like crazy and all that stuff. And um, not to rub it in or anything like that, but I did want to give just an update. Kosh and I, this past week, uh, we're not here. And uh, we uh, had a privilege of being able to go and spend some time with some dear friends of ours um, down in Florida. And we just had an amazing time down in Florida. And uh, Florida, man, it was awesome. But what was funny, though, is they, they've had nice weather. And then all of a sudden we come down and it's like in the low 60s and upper 50s. And, and our friends who had invited us to come down and just spend time with them and basically they just spoiled us. Um, had said, man, you brought all that cold weather down. We want you to leave and get out of here. And it was funny, the day we were leaving, it got into the 80s, uh, literally on the day that we were leaving. But we just had just a great time and just, just a relaxing time. Uh, if you don't know, we have been in the middle of a, a big project down the lower level, and uh, that project is still moving forward, and ceilings are being painted, and steel beams are coming in, and floors are being cut out, and I mean, it's it's, it's all happening there, but there was actually a small window that allowed Kosh and I to be able to be gone, and so we just, we just had a blast. Uh, they spoiled us like crazy, uh, took us shopping, I mean, just, I mean, all these different things, and, and my friend Dan, he is just, he's one of those guys where he doesn't want me paying for anything, which is, is, is kind of difficult sometimes, but then also really awesome, and because uh, he's just like, oh, we, we got this, we got that, and taking us out. I mean, just, it was just, it was awesome. It was just, it was a great trip, and, um, um, and I think about that, I think about years ago when I first met Dan, and uh, we were talking about that when we were down there. It was probably about 10 years ago uh, that we actually first met them, and we met them at church. Um, we met them actually in a group. Um, we uh, they had started coming to uh, the church that we had planted, and, and him and I just began talking, and him and his wife, uh, or his wife and Kasha began connecting and stuff like that, and, 
And how many know it's important that the wife connects with the wife, right? Like if I could have the best relationship with him, but if she does not connect in with that person, then it's going to be a little bit difficult. And, but yet we just really connected well with them. And we said, hey, would you guys be interested in hosting a group? And uh, they said yes. And so they hosted a group in their home. And Kasha and I didn't know very much about their story. But as we just began to see their story unpack, there's a lot of brokenness in their story. A lot of uh, hurt in their story. Dan uh, had gone through just a horrible divorce and just messy and all these different things. And you look at all those pieces of the story and, and Dan uh, spent like three years in prison because before he was serving Jesus, he had made really bad choices. First time he ever went to church, he was carrying a gun. And, uh, and he was there, uh, and I can't even remember what he was there for. He said there was some deal going down type thing. And, and uh, that's when he came and and yet God through that kept putting seeds in his heart and kept speaking to his heart and while he was in prison actually, um, should have been in prison the rest of his life really for what had happened. And, um, but uh, while he was in prison, he ended up having a radical encounter with Jesus. And uh, in prison, God got a hold of his heart and his life and he actually trained to be a pastor while he was in prison and uh, got his uh, degree uh, as a pastor and, and then came out. And after, after he got out of prison and everything, which was a miracle and just the timing and how it all happened so fast, but God just began redeeming his story. And then through that, when he got out, he was in ministry for a season. And uh, he said, I realized when I was in that season of ministry that God was not calling me to actually be the one doing the ministry. He, he was calling me to actually be a part of helping fund the ministry. And that was when Dan first began sharing his heart with me about a principle that he has been living his whole life by uh, called Live 80-20. And it's really this principle of giving away 80% of his income and living on 20%. And I remember when he first shared that with me and I began thinking, man, that's gonna be really tough. And he said, but I just feel like that's what God has called me to. And I can tell you 10 years ago when we had those conversations, it was only a dream that was far off. And now he's getting to a season right now where he, he's beginning to live that way and giving away just ridiculous amounts of money and just things like that. And God is just really blessing him in his life. And I think back to all that and I think about that, this is us. Like that's a part of the church. That's what it means to be a part of the church is, is to be stir, spurring one another on. And, and we talk about our group that we had back then 10 years ago when, when it first started and everything, and we still have some of the closest relationships with the people who were in that group. Why? Because we're better together. Because when we do life together with other people, we begin to develop relationships with people that carry not just, it goes beyond the, the local church. And we still feel like we're still a part of the church. Like Dan and Stacy feel like they're a part of the church and they believe in the church. And David and Summer Allman, and I could, Ariel and Joe Pori, all these different people that I developed relationships through the year that we just began to do life together. And can I just encourage you, don't do life alone. This is us. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life in community with other people. And so get involved in a group. If you're like, man, I don't know how to get involved in a group, then start a group. If you're like, how do I start a group? Talk to Dan. Dan Sharp, you'll see him. He's, he's a good-looking guy walking around. Um, where's, where's the good-looking guy? I know he's in here. Where's he at? Dan, where are you at? Dan, Dan, Dan. Well, maybe he's not even in here. Jeez. Where is he? It's not even, he's not even in here today. I'm, I'm talking about how good looking he is and everything. He's not even in here. He's probably taking care of stuff. Jason, give him a text. Say, dude, come on, where are you? 
No, I'm just playing. But anyways, you can see, actually, don't see Dan, see the next step area, because back of the next step is where they can actually help you with that and everything. But this is us. And uh, so today, I, I want to share with you just some things that the Lord's been really putting on my heart. Um, when I think about our team and think about what God is building here and, and bringing together, and I got some exciting news this next week to kind of share with you guys this next Sunday uh, with you about some, some of our team growing. And we know social media always gets things out there. And so, but, but we got some exciting news coming next week for you guys. But when I think about our team, I think of Ivy, uh, who right now, Ivy Smith is, is uh, working with our elementary kids and just doing a phenomenal job and leading that team down there. And uh, if you have not told Ivy lately that you appreciate her, you really need to tell her you appreciate her. She has been just a rock during this season of transition. Yeah, you can give her a big hand. Um, and just doing just an amazing job. I, I think of the team, I, I think of Scott, uh, Pastor Scott, and uh, his wife Alyssa who have joined us and doing worship and just what God's been doing here. And, and uh, they've been working hard on, on just really taking our worship up um, to just a, a really another level when it comes to tech and all those. We really, I think Pastor Casey uh, did a phenomenal job um, during that season of transition and stuff and really just really helped us grow spiritually, um, just and really just grow in our heart for worship and our love for the Lord. And, uh, and then Pastor Scott has come in and just kind of just taken that same thing, just been working off of that, but then also taking our tech and just really helping shore up a lot of the things technology-wise. And Pastor Scott, man, thanks so much. It's always great to know that you have someone that you can count on in that. I think of, I think of Alyssa uh, Reynolds, who just does all of our graphic work, and just she's just phenomenal. She's up there in the booth kind of hiding upstairs. But Alyssa is awesome. You can give her a big hand. Uh, helps communicate all that. You may say, Pastor Brian, why are you talking about the team? Because I love this team. I think of Pastor Casey, who's up there as well, and just doing a phenomenal job with our students over uh, in, in the remix and just what God is doing there. You guys can give Pastor Casey a big hand. I, I think of uh, Pastor Ron, who has faithfully been serving in this church for so long. And uh, man, Pastor Ron, we just love you. I think of Dan Sharp, who I talked about earlier, but just doing groups and just doing a phenomenal job there. This uh, week, he tackled uh, one of the things that has been on my bucket list since I arrived three years ago, and it's no joke. Um, I have been wanting to have a tool room that was actually organized and set up in the right way to where I didn't have to search for things. And Dan accomplished it. He made the miracle happen. And so we have a tool room downstairs that's all organized. And, and the first thing today when I was talking with him, he's like, can we change the lock? Because he's like, I don't want people using it. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm afraid it won't go back. And I'm like, no, we'll just create the system and we'll work through that. But, but man, he's just doing a great job. I think of Ruby Stump, who's just been faithfully serving at this church for such a long time and just has served all the different pastors. She's at a conference this weekend. And uh, just uh, really, she's someone who, the, the, the one thing I love so much about Ruby, she's constantly growing. She's constantly taking in. And so she'll, she, out of her own dime, out of her own pocket, will consistently pour into herself. She goes to these conferences, and then she's pouring into other young women and just is doing a great job. I think of Karis Ranta, who's um, our worship admin, and she's just, Karis, you know, is all things bubbly and uh, just does a great job with that and taking care of those details. I think of Jacob Albright, who is uh, playing guitar over here. Uh, he, he has the task right now of 
trying to keep this building clean in the midst of construction, which is a big task. He's doing a great job, but he's also interning here. God has definitely has a calling on his life, and we're pouring into that, and we believe in him. Jacob, it's so great to have you here uh, on the team. And then, and then I think of Krista Sharp, um, who leads uh, Bethany Child Care, and I could not go through all the names of all the people that she has working. There's like 27 plus employees who work over there and just do a phenomenal job pouring into kids each and every week. And they're just, they're doing great. And the reason why I tell you about all that team is because this is us. And you know, Pastor Brian and Kasha can get away for a week in Florida and not have to worry about things because we have a great team. We have a great team of people who, who come in and say, hey, we've got this, Pastor Brian, go and enjoy yourself and uh, take that time away. And I just, I think about that and and I'm sitting there and I'm walking around Disney on one of the days and we went to Epcot and we went to all these different areas and one of the things I noticed is that Disney's beginning to let some things slip. And uh, it wasn't, I mean, there's things that are great, but man, just even the bathrooms. We went into the bathrooms and I was like, man, the bathrooms are disgusting at Disney. It's like, why can they not take care of the bathrooms? It's like, why, well, why do they have to be gross? It's like, let's actually have good, invi- and you know what it did? It affected the way I was viewing the experience there. And it was just the bathrooms. And the reason why I say that is because this, because everything matters in what we do. Everything we do matters. Every environment we create, the way the environments are, it matters. The way the parking lot's plowed matters. The way it's iced matters. The way that the coffee that we're serving matters. Everything matters. All those different pieces matter because our goal is, is not only just to love God, but our goal is also to love others. Because the greatest commandment that we were given was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But then we were also said to then love our neighbor as ourselves, that we were to love others around us. And so we create environments for people to engage in God's presence. And we want to take away every excuse. So we don't want you coming into a bathroom that's nasty. We don't want you dropping your kids off in an area that hasn't been updated in umpteen years. We are doing everything possible in the physical to allow the spiritual encounter to have no roadblocks, because what we recognize is that one encounter with Jesus can change everything. And I was thinking about Walt Disney, and I was thinking about him and the whole experience that we had at Disney, and I started thinking, there's no way that Walt, if he was still alive, would allow these bathrooms to be the way they are. That's honestly what I thought. And I was like, There's no way he would have allowed those things. You can read his books. You can read all the different things about the customer and the experience. And I mean, the Disney way, all these different things. It's about the culture and it's about what we allow. See, if we allow those things to happen, then that ends up becoming the norm. Versus when we take excellence with the things that we're doing, then what happens is, is we begin to create an environment where all the roadblocks and all the excuses are taken away. And so Jacob, what you do matters, buddy. What you do matters. And, um, and what everyone in this church, what everyone on this team does matters. Walt Disney actually is quoted by saying this. He says, whatever you do, do it well. Do it so well that when people see it, see you do it, they will want to come back and see you do it again. And then they will want to bring others and show them how well you do what you do. And can I just say, that's what we're trying to do here at Bethany. 
is we're trying to create an environment where people go, man, you just got to be there. I'm telling you. Like, it's crazy. Not only is the coffee great, not only is the kids' area great, not only is the environment great, but, man, the people are loving, they're caring. Man, I got in a group, and I got connected with people that I'm doing life with. I mean, I'm just telling you, you need to come and check out what is happening here. Because we do believe that one encounter with Jesus can change everything, right? We do believe that even those coworkers that drive us crazy and we don't actually say very nice things about them, that even they can have an encounter with Jesus, right? See, here at Bethany, our mission is simple. We're all about bringing people one step closer. So how do we do it? By loving God, by loving people, and by loving life. Loving God, loving people, and loving life. See, one of the things I've realized for the years is that in order to love God, you, I mean, just, you got to love others. And in order to love others, you got to love the life that you have. I've never met people who do a really good job of loving God who don't love other people. I, I, they all go to connected. They're all connected. Like, if you don't love your life, then you're going to have a really hard time loving people. And if you have a hard time loving people, you're going to have a hard time loving God. You know why? Because people are his creation. They are his sons and his daughters. You can't say, I love God, but hate others. It just doesn't work. It's, we're his creation. We're, we, we are his children. We are sons and daughters of the king. So if someone comes to me and says they don't like my boys or don't like my daughter, then, then you're saying you don't like me. Because why? I, Kasha and I created those kids. We had fun creating those kids. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's ADD, sorry. So what we recognize is this, is that if they're my kids, then, then they represent me. They, they carry parts of me. They, they think like me at different times. They respond like me at different times. Now, are they still their own person? Yes, they're absolutely still their own person. God has created them and shaped them and molded them but yet, this is us. That, that's my family. That, that's, a, that's a part of who we are. And so, like, when, if, I, if someone doesn't love my kids, then basically what they're saying is they don't love me. So all three of these go together. If you don't love the life God's given you, if you don't love people, if you don't love um, God, then all three of those work together. But sometimes we get so focused on the tribulation, so many times we get focused on the things that are going on around us that we forget that Jesus is with us. Now, remember, John 16 Verse 33 actually says this. It says, I have said these things to you. This is Jesus speaking. That in me, so in Christ, you may have peace. And in the world, you will have tribulation. So it, it's, it's almost like he prepares us by saying, listen, tribulation's gonna come. Valleys are gonna come. Tough times are gonna come. But remember that in me, in me, you can have peace. In me, in the midst of everything you're facing, you can have peace. In me. And that's why he says, but take heart in the midst of the tribulation, for I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world that's around us. He, he's overcome every problem, every bad report, everything that you're facing. He has overcome each and every one of those things. So if he has overcome those things and Christ is living in you as a follower of Jesus, then guess what you have access to? You have access to peace. And if you have access to peace, the world is screaming for what you have. So one of the days uh, they took us and brought us to the spa, our friends did, and uh, it was a very nice spa, and uh, we, uh, I had an hour-long massage, and uh, some people are like, I, I think it's weird that guys get massages. I think it was awesome. 
And uh, she put this, this oil on my back and then she's like taking her elbow and she just, she's like, you are so tight. I'm like, I know I've been pulling carpet. And she's like, oh my goodness. And I told her about how when I used to have, a, I had a personal trainer back in, in, uh, in Lansing that used to work with me. And, and uh, he used to, when he used to massage, he used to give me a massage at the end of my workout, which was awesome. But uh, he would literally get up and he would like walk on the back of my hamstrings and stuff because he's like, you are so tight. And he would, oh, it was just horrible. But, but I'm sitting there in this experience and, and it's a spa experience and it's awesome. This place that we were at, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And uh, we're, we're totally being spoiled and Kasha's in there being spoiled and I'm being spoiled and I'm using this shower that has like all these different settings and literally you can choose if you want a, a tropical setting and, and all of a sudden there's like birds and the sky's changing above you and all these body sprays are going or you can choose like, what was funny is they had this one that was Arctic experience. But what you don't realize is that the Arctic experience starts with warm water and then in the middle of it squirts you with a ton of cold water. And so I'm sitting there, I'm just like, oh, this is so great. Oh! And I was just, it was freezing all of a sudden. But I, I'm in there in this whole experience and you might say, Pastor Brian, why are you telling me all this? One, it's because I have ADD. But two, um, it's because this, because I, I think that so many times in our lives, what God has is he has peace for us that is so much greater than the greatest spa you've ever been in. It's greater than the greatest experiences. Like the peace that God has for you and I actually is greater than any tribulation you would face. See, so many times we think that peace only is something we can have when things are going well. So it's like, okay, I'm in a spa type experience. That's when I have peace. But what Jesus actually tells us is we can have peace even in the midst of the tribulations. So even when it feels like everything's chaotic, even when it doesn't feel like anything's going according to plan, you and I can have peace. It's interesting when you look at the life of Jesus, how many times others tried to get Jesus to trip up. They were trying to take him out of his peace. See, Christ had peace in the Father. He had a plan. He knew the plan. He knew how it was going to unfold. And so he was taking the steps that were necessary to get to that place. And one time in Matthew, um, we see Jesus actually having an encounter with a lawyer. And the lawyer is trying to get Jesus to trip up. And he basically asks Jesus, because there's so many different laws um, and so many commandments that, that they have to follow during this time. He says to him, he says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus then says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he says, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And somewhere along the way, the church, I think in some ways, we've forgotten about that second commandment. We focus a lot on the first, about loving God. In fact, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees who Jesus was talking to were very familiar with the first. They understood what it meant to follow after God. They understood what it meant to love God. I mean, they, they, they literally lived their whole life trying to gain more knowledge about God and living according to all these different commandments and rules. And like, like they were trying to basically live a sinless life. Trying to accomplish it through, you know, creating even more rules. So if like this is the rule here, then we're going to try to create a few more rules so we make sure we never break that rule. And what Jesus comes in is he's like, listen, the first, yeah, but the second is like it. 
Now notice that he says it's like it. It's just like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What if, what if the church, we, the church, now remember the church is not a building. What if we, the church, the people, loved people with no strings attached? What if you and I actually loved people with no strings attached? If, if you do a search in the, in the Urban Dictionary, uh, you can put in there phrases in there, uh, no strings attached. You can put that in there, and, and by definition, it'll pull up different things that people have said, and what they say is it's free of any conditions, restrictions, costs, or any other obstacles. So think about that. To, to love without any conditions, to love without any restrictions, to love without any costs, or other obstacles. It goes on to say, it's used to describe an agreement or a commitment that uses no hidden clauses or catches. What if we actually love people with no hidden clauses, no, no hidden catches? Uh, another definition was in there. It said, doing something for someone without asking for anything in return. What if we just, what if we just loved people? And, and being at Disney, one of the things that I recognized that whole week while I was there was that different experiences, there were people who got this idea and people who didn't. There were some people who really understood what it meant to put the customer first and really take care of them, and you could just see it through their nature and just their interactions with you. And then there are other people who were completely like out of it. And you're like, man, wait a minute. I mean, Disney's supposed to be the most magical place in the world. It's not the most magical place in the world, trust me. I heard those kids screaming. On the flight down there, we were flying down there, and we had the privilege of sitting back in the back and, of the plane, which was awesome, and uh, it was not a first-class experience, and uh, we were back there, and right next to us was a, a, a couple who had their young uh, child. He was probably a year, year and a half old, and uh, he literally screamed the entire two-hour flight, was punching him in the face, just all over, I mean, just going ballistic. The poor people in front of the seat, which I was glad I was not sitting in, in front of them because the kid kept shaking the chair, was like trying to climb over it. I mean, this kid was just out of control. And all I could think of was just take the kid in the bathroom and take care of business. <laughs> but he just, I mean, he just kept going. I mean, it was just, it, it was crazy. I've never been on the plane where they literally, the, the stewardess at the end when we had landed were like, if you could please make way, there is a family who needs to get off the plane immediately. And literally that family like picked up their kid and kind of ran off the plane. And I mean, it was, it was just nuts. But do you know God even calls us to love those people? No strings attached. Honestly, one of the things Kasha and I kept talking about was, man, I, I, would, I would hate to be those parents because they were working. They were really trying. They were, they were really, it wasn't like they were just letting the kid do whatever. I mean, they were really trying to take care of this kid. You know, we gotta love even people like that. No strings attached. The world is looking for peace. The world is looking for people who will love them with no strings attached. And, and what a lot of times happens, though, is that sometimes, well, let me just put it this way. I think sometimes the church, what we do is we don't love with no strings attached, we love with strings attached. So we love with strings attached. So, so we say to people, you gotta dress like me, you gotta act like me, you, you gotta talk like me. Uh, you, you, you can't, uh, you, really, you really shouldn't have tattoos, you really shouldn't have piercings, you, you really should kinda just keep everything nice and clean, your, your body's a temple, and uh, you, you really should only listen to Christian music only, and um, 
Yeah, and if you're struggling with homosexuality, then you're definitely not like us, and so you need to get that fixed before you ever come into church. Um, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, none of that stuff. You know, that stuff's just bad. Like, you, you just, if you could get all of your act put together before you come to church on Sunday, that would be awesome because uh, then, then we could maybe go somewhere. Um, if you're living together, well, then that's really bad. Like, that should not be happening. Um, you you, you got to kind of act the part and look the part to be able to come to church. That's kind of the strings that we attach. And yet... I think what God has been calling us to do is to take the broken, the ones who don't look like us, act like us, the ones who are without Christ. And if you're without Christ, then guess what? You don't act like someone who's in Christ. It's not like, it shouldn't be rocket scientists. I mean, like, if you don't know Jesus, you shouldn't act like Jesus. So why would we expect people to act like Jesus if they don't know Jesus yet? Let's let broken people come in. That's why we do everything we can to create an environment here where we can take away all those excuses so people can just engage in, in, in God's presence and can encounter something. I've had, I can't tell you the amount of people that have said, man, I was sitting there, I walked into church, and, and I thought, I, first thing they thought is they said, I thought, for sure that I was going to have the place burned down. I thought I was going to get struck by lightning because I walked into church. And this is, I mean, this is real. This is what people are thinking. They're thinking, I, I, I thought that I had to have it all put together before I could come in. We need to create an environment where people can come in broken. And when we see them broken, we wrap our loving arms around them and say, hey, listen, let me go on a journey with you. Let me help take you one step closer. Because I was broken at one point in time in my life. Because I, I, I was right where you are. And God changed my life. This is us. Come on, this, this is us. We, we should be people who are welcoming others in. And so if Jesus showed up here at Bethany, would we welcome him in? Because a lot of times the, the ones that Jesus hung out with were not the religious elite. In fact, the ones that Jesus hung out with a lot were the sinners and the broken people. Jesus loved others with no strings attached because he didn't expect people to be put all together before the encounter. He knew that once they had an encounter with him, that that encounter would change their life. So he just said, I'm just gonna love them with no strings attached. Broken, come. Need, need of healing, come. Addicted to stuff, come. Come. I, I'm telling you, I... I, I I'm always hearing Devin over there, and Devin's awesome. She's always amening me and stuff like that. But if you know a little bit of Devin's story, she's got a little bit of brokenness in her past. She, she wasn't always the amazing, godly woman she is right now. <laughs> she doesn't think she's all that amazing, but I, I, I know her husband real well, and he says she's really awesome. Right, Joel? Okay, good. I threw that one up for you, buddy. It's like, come on. But honestly, I mean, like, I think of Devin's story, and I think about her past. I think of some of the places that she's been and, and stuff that happened in her life. And, and she's always, though, had this compassion that was built inside of her to help those who are down and outers. It, it, it's, like, it's, it's like hardwired into her. She sees broken people, and she just wants to come and help. 
The key is, is once she realized that it's Jesus is the only one that can help, it took a lot of the pressure off of her to now, all she knows she has to do is get that person to encounter Jesus. If they can just encounter his presence, then he'll change everything. And so what we need to do is create environments for people to engage in God's presence because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. I think that's why 1 John, it says this, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God and everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. Listen, you can't know God if you don't love others. Loving people means loving people, no strings attached. Like you just love them. You love them in their brokenness. You love them in the midst of, of, of the things that they're facing. Listen, this is us. This is us. This is you. This is me. This is all of us. God has a plan and purpose for us. Someone once said this. It, it's no chore for me to love the whole world. My only real problem is my neighbor next door. And, and I've shared this quote in the past but I think it's just so key because it, we, it's easy for us to say we love the whole world. But the real problem is the neighbor next door. The, the real problem is the coworker. The real problem is the family member that drives us crazy. The real problem is the one who's closest to us. It's easy to say we love everyone. Oh, yes, we love. We love people. Yes, we love them. Yes, yes, we do. But when it really comes down to it, do we love them in their brokenness? Do we love them in the midst of their struggles? Matthew chapter 22 encourages us to, to love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, 34 says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. So if, if you and I actually love each other, then other people are going to know that we're Christians. They're going to know that we're followers of Jesus. They're going to be like, oh, know that person right there, they, they love other people. The problem why many times people don't really follow after Christ or don't have that encounter is because so many times they encounter pe Christians, quote unquote, who don't love others. And they're like, this doesn't make sense. You tell me that Jesus is all about love, but yet you don't love anyone. Like, that doesn't make sense. You want us, everyone to be put together. You want to hold your signs that say who, what God hates. But what God is calling us to do is God is calling us to a place where in our brokenness, we go hard after him. So what does it mean to love God? What does it mean for you and me to actually love God? And this is the challenge, is to love people in their brokenness. How many of you, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I just want you to process through, this week, went from last Sunday that you were here to this Sunday and you did not sin. Like just, just from last Sunday, I'm just on last Sunday, you, you, you didn't sin. Okay, maybe that's a little much. How about Wednesday night? Wednesday night you were at church and since Wednesday night to this morning, you have not sinned. Some of you may raise your hand and say, you know what, I, I, I haven't. And that's awesome. But I would say probably a majority of us, or a large part of us, probably have sinned in some way. 
I'm not talking about blatant, you know, like maybe, hopefully no one murdered anyone since Wednesday. But, I mean, we're not talking about that that's the only type of sin. Hopefully, hopefully you haven't had an affair since Wednesday. We're not talking about that type of sin. Those are the ones we like to, to point out. Hopefully it hasn't been that you've been, you know, doing things that are harmful to your body, like drugs or other addictions. But yet that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just sin in general and how sin separates us from God. And the reason why I bring all that up is this, is because, listen, you and I are in a process of taking steps closer to Christ. Now, do I want and desire for my life to be a life where I could say, you know what, since last Sunday, you know, I, actually, I think I've done really well. Like, I, I have strategically this week really placed my eyes and focus on Christ and I honestly can't think of a moment where I've sinned this past week. That doesn't mean that that moment hasn't happened, but I can't think of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's part of taking steps in your relationship with Christ. But so many times we want everyone to have it all put together that we think that if somebody can get life together, then that would change everything. But I wonder how many times it's like a gong. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as a love chapter, and it says this in verse one. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain Nothing, because love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then the face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I wonder how we're doing on that. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Loving God, loving others, Loving life. What does it look like for you and I to love God and to love others and to love life? What does it look like for us to to experience the love of Christ? It, It means not just experiencing it personally, but also giving it away. You and I have the greatest answer. We have the hope. We have peace in the midst of the tribulation. We should be giving away peace and hope to other people. And that comes when we love them. 
So here's my question. Who is God asking you to love right now that you're not? Who is it? And if right now you're like, man, Pastor Brian, I don't know who God's asking me to love, then I want you to simply ask, who could God be asking you to love? Who is it that God is saying, listen, I've done this for you. It's like Romans 5.8 says that God loves, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like Christ died for you and me. I mean, he, he encourages us to actually love others who are around us, to love them. Because why? Because that love comes from God. And so if we've experienced God's love personally, then we should be loving others. Who is God calling you to love? In 2019, who is God calling you to love? Because maybe for you, it's, it's actually giving a smile to your coworkers at work. So where they don't think you're actually this grumpy Christian, but they actually think you're a loving Christian. Try smiling. We met this guy at uh, Epcot. We were there, and our friends, their kids were with us too. And this guy looked like Santa Claus. He really did. And I was joking around with Isabel and Isaiah, and I said, hey, guys, look. Santa Claus is on vacation. And the guy overheard me. And I'm like, oh, and he comes walking over to us. And as he walks over, he just lights up with this big old smile. He looks down at Isabel and Isaiah, and he's like, you're right. Even Santa needs a break. He pulls out of his pocket these two leather pouches. He has North Pole coins inside of them. I'm not joking. I mean, real beard, the whole works, big old belly, Disney shirt on. I mean, like this guy, and he, he had a backpack in it. He pulls out his driver's, or he pulls out his uh, wallet and pulls out of there. He has a sleigh license, says Santa on it, the whole thing. It's legit. He's showing it to the kids. He gives the kids North Pole currency. Um, it's like, hey, this is from the North Pole and everything. He, does, he, he creates this whole experience for the kids. And literally, like little Isaiah, he's just like, this is so awesome. Oh, my goodness. Like, I actually met Santa Claus. Like, he's, like this whole experience is unfolding and everything. And here this guy brings just a simple smile in a moment. And we can think about that moment. You can say, man, that's awesome that they created that moment. You, you, we have all these little kids that are meeting Disney princesses and all these things, and they're, they're having these great experiences the whole week there at Disney, all these different experiences happening. And people can do all that they can to try to create the environment for someone to experience something that's a little out of the ordinary. Can I just tell you, we as followers of Jesus who have the peace of Christ living in our lives should be doing whatever we possibly can to create environments for people to engage in God's presence because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. This is us, guys. Like, we're all about loving people. We should be all about creating environments for people to love other people. And whether that's a smile, whether that's buying someone's coffee, we got good to great that's coming up. It'll be here before you know. And we're going to blanket our entire community with God's love in a practical way on Good Friday. We're going to turn their Good Friday into a Great Friday. But can I tell you, it has to be more than just one Friday a year. We should be making an impact every day in people's lives. 
We've provided tools. Those impact cards are just to show God's love in a practical way. Why not this week go love on a person? Buy their meal, buy their coffee, buy McDonald's, buy, buy something, buy their healthy drink or wheatgrass or whatever stuff. I mean, because it's the first of the year, you know. Buy, buy something, like do something. Show God's love. Maybe, maybe say to a single mom, hey, here's a gift card for you to go out to a movie. I'm going to watch your kids for you so that you can go out and enjoy a movie. I mean, do something. Show God's love in some practical way. Plow your neighbor's driveway or their walk. Help someone out who's around you. Get involved in ministry here at, here, here at church. Just be a part of loving other people, creating environments for people to engage in God's presence. Because why? One encounter with Jesus can change everything. Football Sunday is coming up. Super Bowl Sunday, the, the biggest Sunday of the year when it comes for sports and everything. And yet we're going to create an environment here at Bethany where you can invite your friends and say, hey, listen, you should come out to church on this Sunday. Why would I come out on that Sunday? Dude, it's football Sunday. We're going to have tailgating. I mean, there's going to be free food. We're going to, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's all football themed. We're going to hear from different football players who are actually playing in the game. We're going to hear from different, you know, NFL greats. I mean, you're, it's going to be a great environment to invite a friend, to, to help them encounter Christ. Why? Because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Let's love people, no strings attached. This is us. Because we're all about bringing people one step closer. And we're going to do that by loving God and loving people and loving life. You see, there is a real enemy, and he wants to destroy your life. But not just your life, your neighbor, your co-workers. He wants to destroy everyone else's life who are around you. But there's good news. God has given you and I the victory over the enemy. Not in your strength, not in your own power, but one encounter with him can change everything. Someone once said this, they said, sin would have fewer takers if its consequences were immediate. But yet we know that sin's consequences normally aren't immediate. But we do know this, that one encounter with Jesus can take a sinner who's broken and messed up and change their life around to where they're whole, to where they experience peace. But it happens when we love them. You see, it's not about what you know. It's not about you knowing all this tons of stuff about Christ that will then somehow help someone encounter Jesus. It's not. Does that help? Yeah, but it's not. Just love them. Just love other people. 1 John 3, 11 says this. This is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should actually love one another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 talks about that, that we're to love one another deeply because love actually covers a multitude of sins. That love actually covers a multitude of sins. Like, how, how do you love someone who's broken, who doesn't have it all together? First, you just got to remember that that was once you. But just love them. It's not a hard thing. It's actually a really simple thing. The hardest thing is, is putting it into action. It's not knowing it. It's just putting it into action. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you would stand to your feet across this room. 
If you just close your eyes for a moment this morning. I want you just this morning just to search your heart. And you made a great decision to brave the snow and to come in this morning. But one of the greatest decisions you could make is to actually love others. See, what I know is this week you're going to have an opportunity to love others. And your selfishness, maybe even some pride, some of that old man, that old woman, that flesh is going to try to creep up. going to try to get you focused not on loving others but maybe get focused on other things in the church the enemy loves to use the environment to create division because once he can bring division into the church it's really hard for people to love one another when they're divided but what God is calling us to do is to actually live in unity what God is actually calling us to do is to love one another deeply So this morning I've asked you to stand to your feet because here's what I recognize is that each and every one of us need love. I don't need to ask you that. I know that you need love. It's been hardwired into you, designed from the very beginning to be loved. And God does love you. He is crazy madly in love with you. And just as you have been loved, He's asking you to love others because just as he loves you, he loves them. And maybe for you, the one way you could actually love others is by remembering whose kid they are and by remembering whose family they're a part of. So, Father, I pray right now over every person standing in this room today. God, may they personally experience your love. May they personally experience forgiveness of sin. May they personally experience what it means to love you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. But, God, I pray also that you would help them, help me, help all of us to love others to love them in their brokenness, to love them in moments where they maybe don't quite fit into the convenience of where life is and help us to love them. God, we are the church. This is us. We're your bride. We're sons and daughters of the King. So Father, I pray that you would help us to love others and that we would love them no strings attached. Father, that we would not be like a a gong, a resounding gong right there that just empty, an empty response. But no, God, may we actually love others with everything, everything that's inside of us. Help us, Father, to love others. God, for those who are watching online or who are viewing this video later, God, help us to love others. God, each and every one of us, help us to love others. And I pray this week that you would give us an opportunity to make an impact in the lives of others. 
as we simply bring people one step closer to you. Because we know that in one encounter with you, everything can change. So Father, thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Everyone who would agree with that would say...